All right. Hey, hey, good morning to you guys. We're glad to be here today. And wow, would you like to say thank you to the worship team and tech team today? Would you like to do that? Yeah. I got to tell you, just in case you're not aware, we're blessed. I watch these guys on stage and they're oozing this authenticity and talent and willingness as volunteers. And I love it. I just love it. So thank you, team and tech team. We appreciate you all. Uh, very, very much. So we start a new series today. Um, it's called Saddle Up. This is the great adventure. And the verse we won't really, I just need something to deal with horses. And I found this in Jeremiah. We won't be referencing it too much. But it is a good verse. The little part we got there, you know, Jeremiah 46.4, harness the horses up in the saddles. It's a challenge to get in the saddle and get ready to ride off in the sunset with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and today, we want to talk about, though, um, it's a, what a keystone. Actually, all these verses are keystone verses. This is a verse that I kind of committed to teaching once a year at least to you as an entire message. Um, and I've probably done so for the last three or four years. And I'll mention it other times because it's just a great verse. And, theory, you know, and, and by design, it's got three parts. And then next week, we're going to talk about, out of Hebrews chapter 4, Okay, and talk about our great high priest and how we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find and find grace and mercy. And that by design has two parts. Do you, do you see a rhythm there? Three, two. How many how many parts do you think the last one has? One. That's right. And Philippians chapter 3, another one of my keystone verses for my life, and I hope it is for yours too, is when Paul says, you know, I got this past. You know, boy, did you know, any of y'all have baggage? Paul had baggage. And he said, you know, there's one thing I do. There's one thing I do. I forget what is in the past, and I press forward to the future of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then we're going to end up on May 2nd uh, with a launching, if you will, a challenge with, to our, to, really to all of us, but that is Graduation Sunday, and we'll be talking about that. But let's go ahead and look at today is the three bears, and it's found from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. Again, there are three um, key parts there. And the, the title came from this, you know. The title came that, you know, I, I originally titled it something really, really humorous and challenging, you know, God's Bearables. And, you know, I like it to be a little, like, fun. And, boy, I knew that wasn't fun. So I came up with three bears, three bears. And, and the idea is, is that God gives us three, three things. And, again, God doesn't want life for us to just be bearable. I mean, you know, that's like saying, well, God left me here to survive. No, he left you here to thrive. And I knew that that, that just didn't work. God didn't put us here just to be, you know, for life to be bearable. So I finally found the magic word and the word more. So God gives us these three keys so that we can, you know, life can be more than bearable. And that's what we want to talk about today. So this is the funny part. So, we all know the story of the three bears. Well, most of us know the story of the three bears. Now, here's the idea, you know. I really put some thought in these things, you know, and they don't come in the mail. And so I said, oh, you know, we're talking about bear and bearables, and there are three points. We can use the three bears as an introduction. And so, without really checking the story, story out. I came up in my brain and I said, oh, this will be great. We can have Papa Bear. And Papa Bear, of course, said, 
Oh, this porridge is too hot and this bed is too hard. And then Mama Bear came along and she said, oh, no, no, no. The porridge is, the porridge is too cold and the bed is too soft. And then the little baby bear comes along and says, oh, you're all wrong. Man, it's all just right. And I said, oh, that's good. Well, last night I'm sitting there studying. And then I said, you know, I don't check this story out. Make sure I'm telling it right. Found out, I totally missed it. I totally forgot the blonde-haired chick called Goldilocks. Yeah, yeah, it was really her who said, you know, too hard, too soft, just right, too hot, too cold, just right. And, of course, the chair never made the cut anyway. And so, so I totally, I totally thought, and I'm, I think it's funny because I wrote this like three weeks ago. And we all know the story, and guess what? I didn't. I didn't, and that kind of... Kind of funny. Thank you all. Some of y'all for laughing. I really appreciate that. It's really funny because I didn't discover this until last night. I'm going, oh my gosh. And it was too late to change all the slides. So, so you're going to get my version of the story. Okay? So just write it down. You can go and say, boy, the preacher didn't even know the story of the three bears. So that's exactly right. Okay? So we all know the story of the three bears, but God has its own version. And guess what? So do I. God and I are on the same page. We both have our own versions of the story. But, but his, here's the cool part. His is not a fairy tale. His, his bearables, if you will, his story of the three bears, what he gives us to, to more than bear through life, you know, you know it's, it's no fairy tale. And listen, listen, this is important. Now, write this down. God knows what is coming. God knows what is coming. You know, we, we don't know. I, I'm going to use this story now because I'm not sure if it where I used it before. You know, we went to the Cove this week and had a great time at a pastor's conference. Heard some incredible preaching, some incredible worship. It was great. And so at one point, we're, we're coming, you know, going to the Cove. And we had this one-lane traffic thing, you know, where they close one lane. You know, I said, oh, no, you know, God, I don't do this thing very well. I'm very impatient, oh, God. Well, I get there, and there's no traffic jam. You know, I'm like, oh, wow. And I mean, we just cruised right through. I'm going, oh, great. Then I happened to look over into the other lane. And, and, and there was a little bit of traffic. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And guess what? Are you ready? Are you ready? Fifteen miles of backed-up traffic on the other side. Fifteen miles. And two thoughts. The first is this. When we finally got to the end of the 15 miles, these little cars were going, zippity-doo-dah, and it's a great day to drive through the mountain. It's wonderful. They had no idea what was coming. <laughs> they were fixing to get into 15 miles of standstill traffic. And then, of course, I said, because God knows I'm very impatient, he saw grace that I wasn't going that way, that on my side it was open. God was so graceful, sent me this little love note and said, hi, Dwayne, please take note. You're not over there. You're over here. Aren't you grateful? And boy, was I ever. So the big point is God knows what's coming. You know, and I want you to know this. God knows what's coming. You know, he knows what's coming tomorrow in your life and next week in your life and the week after that in your life. But listen, he knows what's best. And either in my case, he helped me to avoid the traffic jam, okay, or B, I am certain it had been a challenge for me, and Judy knows this, uh, he would equip me to sit in traffic. I probably wouldn't have done well. You know, have, you know remember that course in, in college or in high school you took three times because you just didn't get it? Yeah, well, patience is that for me. 
I, 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 I go through life, and, and I, I go to the school of patience, patience 101. I fail. We go back through and do patience 101 the second time, the third time. And in my 70 years, I'm not sure how many times I've taken the patience class. Okay? But, 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 he knows what it takes to win. He knows what's coming. He knows what to get you through. His three bears, all right, his three bears will help us do life regardless of what comes our way. Now, I know, I know there's some nice preachers out there who've told you this, this nice preachable lie that says, oh, just trust Jesus and everything will be wonderful. The only problem is it's not in the Bible. I mean, nowhere does it even come close to saying that. I mean, you know, of, of the, you know, Judas kind of got, he didn't make it. But, but the other 11 disciples, apostles who followed Jesus, yeah, all but one of them died a martyr's death. John got exiled to Patmos until he's 90 years old. He died out there in the middle of nowhere. But the other, you know, the other 10 were all martyred. So this idea that everything's going to be wonderful and, and, and great just doesn't exist, okay? But here's the good idea, is that God is going to be with us and equip us um, as we go through this life. So he knows what is coming. Now, now, Paul wrote to a guy named Timothy, and Timothy was like Paul's protege, all right? And he wrote to him, he's a young pastor guy, and he wrote him and just letting you know what was coming up. And here's what he said. He says, but know this, know this, hard times will come. Now, you didn't come to church, you know, you didn't come for Debbie Downer, but write that down in your notes so you'll know at least on this day you heard the truth. Hard times are going to come. In your life, hard times are going to come. You know, it says in the last days, and I know that means in the days right before Jesus comes back and the days leading up to Jesus coming back, but also it's true as you do life. You know, come on, y'all know, you know, when you get up in the morning and you've got a lot of decades on you and you stand up, your knees hurt, you know, you know or this does this or your body does that, okay? You know, listen, mark it down. Hard times will come in the latter days. So, so he tells us what... And that is hard times. And then he tells us when in the latter days. My, my daddy, I used to ask my daddy, you know, we were sitting in the back seat. We had, I had two sisters and me. We're called the three little ones. And he was in the front seat, you know, and mom was riding. And so we'd always ask this question. Daddy, how much longer? Daddy, how much longer? He always said the same thing. Not as long as it has been. And I'm telling you today, I don't know when this Jesus thing coming back is going to happen. I just know for certain it will. I know it will. You know, Jesus is coming back, okay? It's it's just a fact. All right, when, Dwayne? Don't know, but I know it won't be as long as it has been. Every day that ticks by is leading to a time when Jesus comes back. But what about these hard times? Well, I, I thought it'd be cool to look at various translations of the Bible and see what hard look like. What, is, what does hard look like? Well, there's every kind of hard. There's every kind of hard. Gosh, I shouldn't say this. I know I shouldn't. I was talking to one of my friends in the lobby, and I said, you know, we really need to start thinking about preparing for the election next year because it's, it's going to get its tentacles in the church, you know, this party, that party, and all of this, you know. And, uh, and he was saying that, well, I don't know which party, you know, I'm, I'm Republican, but I'm not sure after they're just, you know, they're just being, everybody's being stupid. And I said, I said, well, you know, it's kind of like choose your own stupid, you know, you know, choose your stupid. There's still plenty to choose from. And it's the way it is with hard too. choose your heart. You know, the, the CSB said, you know, it's just, just says hard. And trust me, they're going to be, if you've not experienced hard in your life yet, hang on. Hey, students, you may not have experienced hard yet, but look me, man. You are going to get hard. 
it's going to happen. And, and you're probably going, yeah, you don't know my parents. I've already experienced hard. I get that. I get that, okay? So there's hard coming. But then the New King James Version comes along and says perilous. And that's dangerous. And, you know, these are becoming more and more dangerous times. Um, we listened. Our speaker this week was uh, Jim Simbla, and, and he's the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, uh, as in the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Been there 50 years, 50 years. And he's talking about how he's watched Brooklyn change. It's so dangerous in Brooklyn that he lives 270 feet from the church and cannot walk that 270 feet without an escort, without a bodyguard. That's how dangerous New York has become. He talked about the subways and all of that, how dangerous it is. So these are going to be, there's going to be some dangerous times ahead. Um, we're told that. And, and, then, and then the ESV comes along and says, no, no, it's times of difficulty. In other words, seasons of difficulty. There are going to be seasons when things are hard. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 2, I believe it is, 1 or 2. You know, it, it says, you know, to everything there's a season. To everything, there's a season. And in, in, in the world, in our culture, and in our lives, there are going to be seasons of difficulty. There are going to be days when the sun shines bright, but there's going to be seasons of difficulty. And then the NLT comes on and says, no, it's just, it's just really, really difficult. And there are times when it's just really, really difficult. And then finally, the NIV comes along and says, no, it's really just terrible. It's just terrible. The word is catastrophic, disastrous. And there are sometimes catastrophic things. You know, I have a nephew, 42 years old, you know, who's going through a very difficult bout with cancer. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's hard. I'll just say it's hard. One day we get good news, and one day the news is not so good. It's catastrophic. And I'm sure my sister never thought that she would see one of her children. She's nearly 80, and, you know, one of her children facing this, you know. Uh, she might face it, but certainly not one of her kids. So terrible, difficult times will come in these last days. So, so there are hard times ahead in our lives, but God gave us these three bears to help us deal with those hard times. So our teaching point helps us understand something. It helps us understand that opposition, opposition should be seen as an opportunity to grow. Now, I know you don't want to hear that. You'd rather, if I was writing the book or you're writing the book, we would say there is no opposition. There is no hard times. But we don't get to write the book, okay? God writes the book, okay? But it is true, especially when you have God in the picture, okay? Opposition should be seen as an opportunity to grow. Uh, The deeper the valley, the deeper our faith. Our faith grows deeper through hard times and not through easy times. We would love if every day was sunshiny, but the truth is our faith grows uh, in the valleys. And then the higher the mountain, the grander the victory and the view. We all appreciate the victories in our life, but we do understand that fruit grows in the valley and not on the mountaintop. But, you know, the higher the mountain, the grander the victory. Billy Graham said this. He said, the will of God, now you've got to believe this, the will of God will not take us where the grace of God cannot sustain us. Remember I told you about the traffic jam? If I'd have been smacked down in the middle of that 15 mile, did y'all hear me say 15 miles? I thought y'all gasped or something like that. 15, you know, if I had found myself in the middle of that 15 mile backup of traffic, okay, God's grace would sustain me. He, I could hear him now. You can do this, Dwayne. You can do this. I've got, you know, you got me, Dwayne. You, you can pull this through there. And so, so he would have, you know, been there to sustain us. So, in 1 Thessalonians, we get into our, our feature scripture now. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, 
This is actually, you know, verse, verse 16 says we are to rejoice always. And verse 17 says that we should pray constantly. And then the last part of 18 says, you know, give thanks and everything. And this is the last part of 18. And the word this there doesn't refer just to giving thanks, but refers to the whole, the whole billywag, okay, of for this, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. Now, this, this is God's will for us. That's what it says. You know, for this, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, so this is so important that the Holy Spirit led Paul to write down and say, now listen, I'm going to tell you God's will. Okay, so you can go to church and say, our pastor told us God's will for our life. Whoa, how profound. Yeah, that's right there. Rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. That's God's will. Now, I wrote down, trying to be real preachery-like, and say, I am certain that every person here who knows Jesus, every person who knows Jesus, I am certain that if we knew God's will, then we would do it. And then I thought about it. I said, well, we know know God's will is to forgive people, but we kind of wrestle with that, don't we? Oh, oh, and we know what the Bible says about giving, and we kind of wrestle with that, too. And, oh, and, and then we know what the Bible says about loving other people, and we wrestle with that. So the truth be known, truth be known, even when we know God's will, sometimes it can be pretty difficult, can it? Sometimes even doing God's will can be difficult. You know, you know our other teaching point, our next teaching point, um, is, make sure I got the right one, when God clearly reveals his will to us, it is not a time to pray, it's a time to obey. So, so, so when we have this will that we're supposed to you know, rejoice and pray and give thanks, okay, we are to do that. When God clearly reveals his will, we, it's not a time to pray, it's time to obey. Have you ever noticed that? You know, we sit there, you know, Baptists, Baptists want to beat things up to death, you know? You know, God tells us that we should go out and tell people about Jesus. And we all have two committee meetings, a business meeting, okay, with a secret ballot vote. I mean, we love, you know, and oh, oh, and then we say, let's postpone the business meeting for that because we need to pray about it. Dudes, dudes, when God is clear, you don't need a business meeting. When God is clear, you don't even need a prayer meeting. You don't even have a committee. You don't need a committee's opinion for God's will. All we have to do is what? Obey. Obey. And we need to learn this. Tell God yes before he even asks. You know, whenever, listen, 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 listen. Not the preacher, not denominationalism, not the church. But when God makes a statement concerning his will for you, the answer is yes. The answer is just yes. Okay, you know, I, let me see what I wrote down here. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I think I told you this last time I mentioned this, this idea, this concept. We have a little deal in our bathroom, a little sign. I mean, all y'all have signs in your bathroom, don't you? Well, sure, yeah. Well, we got a sign in the bathroom that says, you know, God, before you even ask, yes. Write that down. That should be our response as we go through life. We don't need to have a debate. We don't need to have a business meeting. We simply say, yes, Lord, yes. That should be our response. So, 
It's time now, you know, after deciding it's God's will that we rejoice and, and pray and give thanks. Let's look and see what all that means, okay? So we got Papa Bear. Now, remember, this is Dwayne's translation of the story. It's my, it's my interpretation of the story. So we got Papa Bear, and in my interpretation of the story, okay, Papa Bear walks into the kitchen, okay, and tastes the soup, and the soup is too hot, okay? Then he decides, while he's waiting for the soup to cool off, he'll go to his bed, okay, and take a nap. And when he gets to the bed for the 338th time, he said, I need to go see Mike Maynard at the appliance store. We need a new mattress, okay? So, the soup's too hot, and the mattress is too hard, and that's kind of how we view life. Sometimes, sometimes the kitchen's just too hot. The soup is too hot, and we burn our tongue. So we want, we want, hey, listen, we, hey, God, we need for the, for the things to cool off. And, and, you know, we always, you know, they always say, you know, if you can't stand the heat, what do you do? Get out of the kitchen. Hey, God, get me out of the kitchen. And this stinking bed, it's hard. Just like my life, God. God, my life is hard. And God says, well, let me help you with that, Okay. And here's what I came up with. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. I mean, in every circumstance. In fact, in fact, Paul said it before. You know, he said, he said, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, I'm going to say rejoice. You say, Dwayne, that doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. You already told us about your nephew who's, who's going through cancer. That doesn't make any sense. We got some people we dearly love in our church who are really wrestling with health issues. That doesn't make any sense. Rejoice always. Is that all you've got, Dwayne? Is that all you've got for us today? Yeah. Yeah, it is. That doesn't make any sense unless you look at the, through the lens of biblical joy. Now, I've taught this to you for, again for four or five years, and we go over it quite frequently what is, what is biblical joy? Well, biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Now, you, hopefully by now you've got that written down somewhere, okay? Biblical joy is that deep sense of well-being. Um, it's a deep peace. In fact, you know, you, know, you know, Paul said when he's talking about, you know, don't worry, pray about everything and all that. When he's doing all of that... Finally, he says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So biblical joy is when we have this deep sense, that peace that is beyond understanding. And what's it based on? Circumstances? Things going well? A bright future? No. It's based on faith in God. And then, trust in his sovereign will. That's what biblical joy is based on. Now, now even in a lot of circles, you know, we think about joy to the world, the Lord has come. It's not even that. Unless that is a biblical joy with a deep sense of well-being. Based on what? Faith in God and trust in his sovereign will. That's what, that's what we find about. See, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, joy is the serious business of heaven. But you know what? That doesn't make any sense, does it? 
I mean, come on. Of all the things that's the serious business of heaven, of all the things, joy, really, C.S. Lewis, is that all you've got? Well, it makes perfect sense. If you think about biblical joy, is a deep sense of well-being based on what? Our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Now, I'll guarantee you that faith and trust are the serious business of heaven. God, you know, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we know faith is serious business, and we know trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean into your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. We know that's serious business. So when we look at it through that lens, it changes everything. That's where, that's where, like, the children of Israel, you know, you know, the reason God did the manna thing, and you've heard this before from me, you know, the reason God did the, the manna thing, and they had to go out every day and pick up this manna. You couldn't get a week's worth. You couldn't get paid on the first of the month and get a whole month's worth. You had to do it every day. And so they would go out, and they'd pick up enough manna for that day and go back and have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they'd go back and do it again. And finally, it kind of clicked in their heads. You know what? God is faithful. Every day I come out here, and God is faithful. And I can just see it in their minds. I start thinking, God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. God is good. God is faithful. God. Every day as they went out, and they learned the lesson that God is good, that God is faithful, and that God can be trusted. Elijah. You know, when, when, the, when the raven started bringing the food, he learned that so he could teach it to the widow lady. He'd get there, and every day the raven showed up with bread. I mean, I don't know where the raven got the bread, but he showed up with bread every day. And Elijah learned, oh, God is good. God's faithful. God can be trusted. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Y'all got to learn this. We have to learn this. I have to learn this. Because that way, when the hard times come we talked about, you're going, oh, I know. I don't care what this looks like. God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. When you go to the doctor, I'm having a medical procedure this week. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, mm, it didn't go exactly like we wanted. Oh, that's okay, doc. Okay, it's okay because, listen, I know my God is sovereign. He's in control. And no matter what it looks like, my God is good. My God is faithful. And my God can be trusted. Can I hear an Amen. Okay, this is so huge, guys. It's so huge. It's going, to help. it's going to help that God you read about in the Bible jump off of the pages and into your life. Into your life. So, so, you know, what about happiness, Dwayne? What about happiness? Well, let's look at happiness. Happiness is the world's fickle version of joy. Happiness depends on circumstances. Happiness depends on, you know, things going well. It depends on what happens, and guess how long it lasts. I like this. About as long as a falling star, and then there's emptiness. When when we try to find happiness, we buy it, we rent it, okay? It lasts about as long as a falling star. Some of you are driving a car. You said one day, if I... Had a new car. Ah, let's pick on the men. If I had that pickup truck, I just know I would be happy. And you were for the first two years. And that $600 payment got kind of old about year two. And you had six more to go. Wasn't so happy then. Or we say, you know what? So-and-so bought a brand new house, and I like their house. I'm going to get me a house like that. So you went down, and the bank loaned you the money, and you moved into that really big new house. And you were happy. 
for the first eight years, and you realize you had 22 more to go, and you weren't so happy. And then some of you are going, man, when I met him, and I married him, when I met her and married her, I thought we'd be happy forever, and you were for the first six months. And then guess what? We're, weren't so happy then. See, and that's what we've got to understand. Listen, don't live with happiness. Live with biblical joy. That's based on our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. His sovereign will. So, so when the kitchen's too hot and life is too hard, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Well, in my version of the story, obviously next pops up, Mama Bear. And Mama Bear, as you know now, has said, oh, you know, you know, the soup is not too hot, it's too cold. And also, the truth being known, uh, the, poor, you know, the, uh, the bed is just too soft. Got to get that new mattress, but it's too soft. Papa Bear says too hard, no, 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 it's too soft. Well, here's the deal. What happens in your life? What happens when you're li- in your life when your relationship with God goes cold? Just like the porridge. You go to the kitchen one day and it's always been fine. And you get your spoon and you put it in your mouth and it's cold. How many of y'all, do y'all like cold coffee? I had a guy in Cobden who loved it. I do not. It's bad. I'll be studying and forget, you know. And I've got my cup of coffee here and there's the last, the last swig. And you chuck it in there and it's cold. You're expecting hot and it's cold. What, what, what happens when your faith goes soft? When your faith needs firming up, well, what do you do? You pray constantly. <laughs> you, you, you learn to pray constantly. You see, what, you know, when we pray, um, it warms our heart and firms up our faith. It warms our heart and firms up our faith. You know, Oswald Chambers says this. You know, prayer is, I like this too, by the way. Prayer is the vital breath of the Christian. Now, I've always heard, and you've heard preachers say, you know, they'll say, yes, yes, prayer for the, for the Christian, it's like the body breathing. You just do it, okay? But this is even better. Prayer is the vital breath of the Christian. Not the thing that makes him alive, but the evidence that he is alive. In other words, you know, prayer should be that integral to us. Now, I need to be honest. I'm struggling. I remember last year sometime, I stood up here and told you, you know, about my prayer life. And, and for whatever reason, I guess the last three or four months, it's just been hard. Still praying, by the way. You know, what do you do when you don't feel like praying? You pray. You keep praying. But I just know it's, it's, it's every day. It's me and God, and, and we're in the same room. And, and I always look at the upper left corner of my room when I talk to God. Don't ask me why, but that's what I do. But it just... It almost feels like heaven's brass. Like the prayers are circling around my ceiling fan. And I don't know why. It's just a season. Has anybody ever done that before? Mm-hmm. And again, what do, you, what do you do? What do you do when it's not like it used to be? You know, what, what do you do when you, you pray and it's just, you know it's just not the same? You, you keep praying. You keep praying. You, 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 pray, you pray when you feel like it. And when you pray when you don't feel like it, you just remain faithful 
and pray. You know, in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 2, you know, devote yourselves to prayer. You know, and that word devote, that means when you feel like praying, you pray. And, and when you don't feel like praying, you pray. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind, a dedicated mind, a thoughtful mind, and a thankful heart. And I, I can, again, can I be honest with you? I can tell you what is said every day by Dwayne Taylor. Hey, God, I'm glad I got you that even though I'm struggling in my prayer life, you don't write me off. You don't kick me under the bus and say, okay, preacher boy, what's up? I'm glad he doesn't. He loves me anyway. He's there. He's there. We, we meet every morning, virtually every morning. Sometimes it's short and sometimes it's really short. But we meet. We meet. And I'm grateful for a God who loves me anyway and always. So, so what's our teaching point? Well, and you need to write this down. Te- prayer does not depend solely on time. God is not impressed with how long your prayer is. God is not impressed. In fact, Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? You know, so, so he's not time. You know, I've got a place. I already told you I look at the corner. Yeah, but, but, you know, it's good to have a place, but that's not the key key. Um, numbers. Numbers in minutes. Numbers in how many people are praying. What did Jesus say? Something about two or three gathered together. In my name, I'm with them. Something like that. You know, posture. Knees or no knees. Knees or no knees. Eyes open, eyes closed. Hands in the air. Hands by your side. Posture or vocabulary. O great God of the universe, creator of all. He's not impressed. He's not impressed. I'll tell you what, though. Those things can become prayer idols. We think if we do those certain things, they can, we, we, get our, we, get, we get our eyes and mind on time, place, numbers, posture, and vocabulary, and forget him. And forget him. It's all about him. It's all about Him. It's a matter of the heart. That's what God cares about. It's a matter of the heart. So what do you do when it seems like the relationship has grown cold? What do you do when your faith is soft? You pray constantly. You can pray behind the wheel, driving, anytime. Pray constantly. And then we get down to the baby bear. And in my story, the baby bear says, everything is just right. Everything is just fine. And Paul's way of saying that is, give thanks in everything. Give thanks in everything. And again, going back to biblical joy, you can give thanks in everything when you have the faith and trust in his sovereign will. Okay? If, you're, if, if your happiness in Jesus and your happiness in your prayer life depends on circumstances... You, you won't be able to give thanks and everything. But, but when you honestly, honestly believe God, you can give thanks in anything. Even, even when it doesn't make sense, okay? Even when it doesn't make sense. So what's our teaching point? Well, gratitude is to contentment. You see the marriage there? Gratitude is to contentment as sugar is a sweet tea. You, have you, you know... Again, have you ever taken it? You ask the waitress, can I have sweet tea, please? 
And she shows up, big old glass, you take a slug, expecting this explosion of sugar wonder in your mouth, and you get no sugar. Y'all know, y'all know that story? Listen, you can't have sweet tea without sugar, and you will struggle to have gratitude and contentment without inter- those going together. Gratitude is to contentment as sugar is to sweet tea. We, we got to learn, we got to learn to, you know, find the sweet spot to see all that God does. May I make a challenge to you? Quit giving circumstances credit for what goes in your life. If you're a Jesus follower, quit saying, oh, that's happenstance. Why not give God, creator God, who loves you, his sin and son Jesus to die for you, why not give him some credit? Why are we afraid to say, God, I hear some preachers say, I can't believe you pray about a parking place. I can't believe you don't. Because there's a God who cares about the smallest details in our lives. In our lives. So, so we've got to find that sweet spot. Learn to see all that God does and then thank him for all that he does. Thank him for the small details. See, we were coming back from the conference. And we were only like seven miles from Paducah. And all of a sudden, I looked over there in the other lane. <coughs> Not my lane. Over there. <laughs> Sorry, boys. You know, so, yeah, there was. A car had hit that wire thing they have, you know, had hit that. And, of course, they were trying to load him up on the wrecker thing. And, boy, traffic was backed up again. This time it's only like about six miles, you know. And so but I'm sitting there going, oh, my. And then, and then about halfway through all the backup, somebody had hit somebody, and, and there was a wreck on top of that. So we had like six miles right before Paducah. Okay, all backed up. And, I, you know, I'm, I did it again. I said, God, thank you that I'm not over there. I mean, I, I'm not like, you know, better than them, but I just want you to know I'm, I'm grateful I'm not over there. And, God, I have to believe, and I did say this, Lord, that you'd give me the patience if I was, if I was. So, so look, learn to see all that God does, but be sure and thank him for all that he does. Then go through your life. Thanking him what he does. Look, look at the scripture. This is a good scripture. It's Psalm 92, 1 and 2. It's a good, it is good. We were, we were worshiping, and this is so good. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to his name. Amen. Wow, those songs we sang today were just imp- That blessing song at the end, oh my goodness. When we start talking about your family and your children and their children and their children, woo! Wow, wow. Wow, it's good to sing praise to your name, Most High. Now watch, watch, don't miss this. To declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. So you get up in the morning, you you rise up in the morning, and you say, God, I am so grateful you love me. Did you hear the song again? You know, the the, uh, blessing song? God is for you. 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 God, thank you that you love me, and I can face this day, and here's what I know. Your love goes with me today. You have no clue what that day's going to be like. But, God, I know your love goes with me. Your faithful love in the morning. And then at the end of the day, you look back, and you say, God, thank you for being faithful. Love in the morning, faithfulness at night. How 
wonderfully powerful. I, didn't, I couldn't give credit to this quote um, that, you know, I, I find joy in every day. I find joy in every day, um, not because life is always good. Because it's not, is it? But God is. God is always good. I fell enamored with this Cain song. Um, I, I just can't get over it. Now, here's the words to it, you know, a little bit of it. Trouble knocking at my door today. Yeah, sometimes I ain't going to let it in. Worry, uh, worry want to steal my joy away. I ain't going to let it win. Because, because on my best day. What are you on your best day? You're a child of God. Hey, hey, hey. What about when you don't get it right? What are you on your worst day? Come on. What are you on your worst day? You're a child of God. God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't want you to be unborn. God doesn't want to undo the adoption. When you get it right, you're a child of God. When you don't get it right, you're a child of God. Every day is a good day. Not because my circumstances are good. Because God is good. You're the reason why. You're the reason why. One last teaching point. If we knew everything, if we knew everything that God knows, and if we could see everything that God sees, we would come to the same conclusion He does every time. Now let that soak in. If we knew, because sometimes, come on, we don't know obviously what God knows, okay, and so we're going, God, what are you thinking? Have you had that conversation with God? God, what were you thinking? And my brother... Terry died. God, what are you thinking? Sometimes we do that. We knew everything that God knows. I could see everything that God sees. We would come to the same conclusion that he does every time. So how does God want us, want life to be more than bearable? More than bearable. Rejoice, pray, be thankful. And this is the will of God concerning you. So if you're here today, and, and somebody invited you to free lunch. Whoops, that was last week. <laughs> you got to buy it. No, but no, if you're here today, or maybe you're on Facebook, or perhaps on the radio, you know, and, you, and you're here, I want you to know something. That if you've never trusted Christ, I'm not here to sell religion. I'm not here to sell Dorsville Baptist Church. But I want to tell you about Jesus because he loves you so much. We celebrate last week. We celebrate every week. We celebrate God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And my friend Brent will be standing down front. And he would love to share with you that great truth. What, what could Jesus do in your life? Does it make your life perfect? Do you not ever have troubles? No, but he promises to never leave you nor forsake you. He'll be there with you the entire journey. And maybe a chunk of us have trusted Jesus as Savior. I hope you'll file this away in your keepsake box that we should rejoice, pray, and be thankful because this is the will of God. God knows this is good. This is the will of God concerning Christ Jesus in you. Let's pray together. Well, Father, I sure thank you for the privilege of teaching and sharing today. I want to thank you that Paul was led by the Holy Spirit to put these three short verses packed with truth, packed with power, 
into your holy word. Father, help us to rejoice. Help us to pray, even when we don't feel like it. And Father, help us to be thankful for all that you have done. If there's a friend here who's never trusted Jesus, oh, would today be that day. Prompt him, Father, to come and talk to Brent about that big, important decision. And then for the rest of us, Lord, help us. Help us to embrace these three things that make our lives more, more than just bearable. And Jesus, we pray it in your precious name. Amen.